Women on Screen Out Loud is proudly supported by Company 3 Toronto. Company 3 is the leading post-production provider to the world's top content creators. Welcome to Women on Screen Out Loud, giving a platform to women in the film industry who challenge, motivate, and inspire on all sides of the camera. We are your hosts, Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. This extra special episode features the deeply personal words of Women on Screen Out Loud's co-host, Jennifer Pogue. In her essay, My Life is a Movie, Actor and producer Jen speaks to her experience with a side-swiping stage 4 breast cancer diagnosis in February of 2021, and how it affected her outlook on life and her relationship to her career. Our hero's eyes well up. Her hands quiver as her mouth opens to divulge the unexpected. I have cancer, she mouths as her voice shakes, as the weight of despair and calamity wave over her matched by the swell of orchestral music we... Cut, check the chips, wrap the crew, edit the scenes together, release to the masses. Off to the Oscars we go. My life has always felt like a movie, mostly because my life has been about making movies. I started acting professionally when I was 21 years old and producing in my 30s. I have been transformed into zombies, monsters, a centaur, and a gospel singer, to name a few. Had my head chopped off with an axe and kissed strangers like they were my one true love. I have worked tirelessly with incredible teams to purposely cause intense car crashes, safely, and gang shootouts. I've immigrated show stars across borders and figured out ways to house and feed entire film crews on extremely limited budgets. I've tackled more logistics and problems than I can count. I married an incredible filmmaker and director. Our household is the nonstop creative hub of my dreams. In short, making movies has been the first thing I think about when I wake up in the morning until I shut out my stresses each night. To make it in this industry is to continuously push through your projects and always have your next few lined up. Hustle or bust, you're only as good as your last performance. This past February smack dab in the middle of my latest production balancing act. I was suddenly asked to take an afternoon off to report to a doctor's office in person, only to hear those incredible, surreal words. I'm so sorry, Jennifer, but you have metastatic breast cancer. Cue the scratch track. Zoom in on her eyes as she takes in those incredibly surreal words. Wait, what? (laughs) This was an over-the-top dramatic lifetime movie script, Not my actual life. How does someone who has hardly experienced any health issues beyond getting sunscreen in her eye, who is 37 years young and still just getting started on her goals and dreams, who already has a lot to do this week, suddenly find themselves dealing with a stage four, triple negative NBC diagnosis out of nowhere? I have always instinctively played the supporting character role. I surround myself with great people and lift them up with encouraging glances and witty banter when dramatic or comedic events occur, both on camera and off. I am the coworker who will take those tedious tasks off your plate if it will make the working environment more bearable for all. 
Despite a love for performing, I am shy when it comes to being in the limelight on any personal level. I am not built for all-encompassing attention, max-level emotions, literal life-dependent decisions. It's all too much for me. I love my safe little roles. Supporting characters are vital. They add depth to the story and enhance the main character's experience, advancing the tale for all. But when the supporting character's stakes surpass the expected, the story structure inevitably fails. So here I find myself now, leading lady front and center in my life story against my own will. The most gripping stakes that could possibly have been presented, far beyond the comfort of my roles and duties. In most scenarios, this would be the act where a bucket list is composed and fulfilled, where the trip of a lifetime is planned for those remaining months, where I let go of all my fears and do the unthinkable, quit my taxing office job and tell my power-tripping boss where to stick it, seek out a requited lover and admit those things I couldn't in the past, rob a bank just for the rush of it, move to a rainforest to live with a cancer-curing shaman by eating nothing but tree fungus, nothing to lose. So many places to go. <sighs> Trust me. I wish we were in a dark theater, with our phones set to silent, drowning in layered buttered popcorn. A temporary escape from self-imposed surface stresses. But unfortunately, this is real life. And no conventional mainstream plot points can actually prepare you for a diagnosis like this or tell you any right way to handle it. No one is promised a tomorrow, sure, but having these sudden uncertainties and timelines blindingly shine directly on you is absolutely agonizing. My mantra for any unpleasant task or project may be, the best way out is through, but Living my full life is a very big project that I am not eager to get through or move on from in any shape or form. Close in on our heroine. We hear her take a deep breath. <sighs> Steady and calm. A small twinkle forms in the corner of her eyes as we zoom out, taking in her determined stance. For the first time in as long as I can remember, I push my career-driven mind to the back and give my heart the driver's seat. It steers me towards soaking in the real moments, not the movies. It coaxes me to give my energy to what truly fills my cup instead of my resume. To prioritize lazy Sunday cuddles with my husband and dog rather than application deadlines. To say yes to that road trip with my girlfriends, instead of worrying about potential scheduling conflicts if I get that callback audition or not. Heartwarming family potlucks over awkward, show-face, schmoozy events. To go slow and soak in those sunsets and summer nights. Surviving this current state of emotional turbulence is about being truly present and focusing on the small, short-term pictures instead of a conclusion for that very big one. I don't care about getting ahead any longer. I just want to be here, right here, right now, and savor the simplest moments of this sweet life I've built up to now, day by day, minute by minute, before those end credits inevitably roll. Coming up. 
Lara Jean and Jennifer get candid about Jen's journey and the new path she's forging as she balances life and work challenges. Hi, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki, and I am here with Jennifer Pogue. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How are you it's, today? I am good. I'm I'm so good today. I am ah, I am uh, I got some feelings out during yeah. the the recording of that essay portion that I said out loud for the first time. So yeah. you were there with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank it you. Was, it was an experience that we, <laughs> we had together with Farah and Devin, and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for it. I'm mm-hmm. so grateful that you decided to do this, which I, I'm going to tell our listeners, I love that, you know, we talked about this in the spring uh-huh. about you doing something, and um, I mean, rightfully so, you were like, I just, I don't, I don't think I can, uh-huh. and that was fine. Uh-huh. And then what was it? Two or three weeks ago, you sent me an email. Yeah, and even I think we had a meeting like a month, a month or so yeah, ago. Before, and, you're, and, and you're like, okay, we need to come, we need a guest for the last episode. Uh-huh. I mean, Jen, it, it could be you, or 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 it could be anybody else. And I was like. I'm like, I'm still, Nier. and I think two days later, I sent you my essay, and I'm like, okay, fine, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, yeah. Uh, your essay, which is being published. Correct? Yeah, it is. So I want to say Women on Screen Out Loud absolutely inspired me to write it, but however, the final push was mm-hmm. I ended up taking um, a, a sort of a, a writing through cancer course. It was just like a one-day thing through this incredible magazine called Wildfire Breast Cancer Magazine. It's a it's a mm-hmm. magazine that is for young women in particular that are going through all stages of breast cancer. And they're putting out an issue in October of 2021. Yeah, specifically for people with metastatic breast cancer. And they put out a call for people to submit essays. And I saw it and I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. That's a good, like, deadlines are good. Okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write something. And then I didn't. And then they put out a call as being like, we're having an extended deadline. And I'm like, okay, fine. That's my final call. And like LJ just kept saying, write something, write I'm like, fine, I'm just going to do it. And so I did it in like <laughs> a night. I stewed on it yeah. for, for a while. And then I, I just Well, I remember I got that email and you were like, it's, uh, I wrote this thing. It's due tonight. <laughs> so if you have any time to read this and edit it for me, please and thank you. Yes. Uh, to which my email response was, here's my edit suggestions. And by the way, you're doing our 12th episode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Thank you so much for your suggestions. You're a wonderful no. editor. She's wonderful. No. Jen is, anyway, mm-hmm. we could just, we're going to, we'll move on from the Love Fest okay. a little All bit because right. there's right. going to be plenty of Love Fest here. Okay. Um, for those listeners who don't follow you online, your social media Profiles have been such vulnerable and brave reflections of your experience so far with this diagnosis and the journey of your treatment. Hmm. And you talk in your essay about instinctively playing the supporting character, yet because of these reflections, you've very much become this inspirational leading lady. And, you know, cancer, I know, is uh, such a deeply personal journey, and what people want or don't want to share is every degree of okay. And you've decided to share in this way. What brought you there to being this open? Hmm. Yeah, I um, I originally posted probably before I fully understood the weight of the diagnosis and everything. But I originally posted and and told the world basically because when I got the diagnosis, I I didn't even leading up to it. I had I 
I didn't know anyone that had gone through this. And had I known that this was possible, that this could happen to someone who's in their 30s, who doesn't have a history of breast cancer, you know, who, like, none of it is genetics. Not, none of it was in on my radar whatsoever. Had I known that this, honest to God, could happen to me, I think I could have prevented it a lot earlier. I know I could have prevented mm. it a lot earlier. So my husband and I actually talked about it in in pretty great detail, and he we we both agreed. We're like, we have to share the story. We have to let people know that this is a thing that's like nobody's invincible. This is a thing. This can happen. Look out for it. I'm here to tell you what I wish that I had done differently. You know, be an advocate for your health. Like your health comes first. Health comes first. So mm. that's kind of what prompted me to start sharing. And then I put it out in the world and I'm like, oh God, now I got to keep everyone updated, (laughs) (laughs) you know, to a certain extent because um, people are wonderful and like the support that came through just blew my mind. And I just, I felt a responsibility in a sense, not that it, not that it was expected of me by any means, but I definitely felt a responsibility to keep people posted with how things were going and, and to, to share that journey. Yeah. Oh, you're such a brilliant writer. I remember that first email before you went onto social media mm. that you just sent out to all of the intimates. And mm-hmm. and in that email, Jen did this beautiful offer where she said, you know, feel free to share. And I ended up sending that not only to my parents, of course, who know you, but to my mother, uh, a friend who had, uh, who had breast cancer years ago yeah. and another friend who is undergoing um, a similar trial to what you're in, that wonderful yeah. trial that you're a part of, mm-hmm. for her own stage four, and she's been um, managing it so well for many years now as well. And so the stories from sharing, the stories of hope that came my way, like mm-hmm. the one that you shared with me that you just uh, mentioned, um, that's that was the ticket. Like those are that's what I need. That's what I needed in that moment because there's only so much doctor talk you can hear and, you know, um, statistics and, and certain things. So I'm like, I was like, just, just give me the, the good stories. Are there any good stories out there? And I had to dig for them, but I found yeah. some and that's what I needed right then and there for sure. And you received that diagnosis in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I, I can only imagine the extra degree of isolation that that caused. And I know you and Warren, Jen's beautiful husband, um, were on the <laughs> East Coast at the time. So we you were, were also away from family at the time. And, you know, it's so easy to hate on social media. But in your case, as we've just spoken to, it's also proven to be this source of connection with your community. Mm-hmm. Has your relationship with these platforms evolved since your diagnosis? Yeah. I mean, I think I'd call it a bit of a complicated relationship in a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, in some ways, like I just mentioned, this, the amount of support that came my way from places I did not expect it was so beautiful. Also really overwhelming at times. And I had to just shut it out at times as well, because it's it's tough to manage people's emotions on top of your own emotions, um, which something like this triggers a lot in a lot of people for sure. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's interesting now, I, I, I still have a relationship with it because social media is so much about, for, for some people anyways, it, it's so much about our identities and what we're putting out there as ourselves. Um, in a way. So I, yeah, I'm not really sure what this is doing to me in a sense, you know, like I don't really, I'm trying, I'm in the process, I'm in the Mm. steps of, of figuring out how to be Jen with this because this isn't going away, but I Mm. can still be my full self. 
So I'm not really entirely sure how to communicate that through social media (laughs) all the time because I also don't want to be like cancer girl all the time. That's all I talk about. You know what I mean? I still want to be me and do my thing. So I'm in the process of finding the balance between those two things right now. You're talking about, I mean, as you know, you've been here for every episode of this season, but redefining oneself in the face of uh, change beyond our control and adversity and redefining our ideas, which uh, about various things in our lives. I'm wondering, did you have any redefinition of also preconceived ideas you had about illness in general that have shifted and broken? Oh, yeah. I didn't know anything about cancer before this, really. I just knew that it was a really terrifying and scary word, and it meant that you were probably going to lose your hair and you're going to be super sick for a really long time. And um, and a lot of that was sort of – that I wasn't alone in that because that was a lot of other people's preconceived notions as well. The amount of, you know, little caps that were sent to me, which is so sweet, and nausea pills and and things and teas and special teas for feeling super sick and, like, having diarrhea and all these, like, symptoms that we associate uh, with cancer and chemotherapy and things like that. Um you know, it almost made me expect to go through all this. And then it was almost Mm. more of a shock when I actually didn't go through all of this. And that's kind of a message that I I want to tell people that might find themselves in this moment. Like, like science has come so far, everybody. And, and let's not expect to necessarily be super, super ill. And we can live with these things because it, it mm. I, like I was shook and I know people have had their horrible experiences and and I still might go through this again in the future. I'm not saying I'm not, but but so far this year, it's surprisingly been pretty manageable, I think, for me. And if that's a beacon of hope for someone that mm. that finds themselves facing this diagnosis, then I'm going to offer that, you know? Like you I wrote, keep... I've been riding my bike to chemotherapy and back. <laughs> That's pretty cool. And I don't well, know if I'll be able to do that forever. And I wasn't able to do it in the beginning, but... But, yeah, that's that's where I've been lately. I remember you also, uh, was it in March when you ran? How much did you run in March? This is before treatment, this I know. This is right but... before treatment. I had this horrible five-week period of waiting. So I just started jogging. <laughs> I hate jogging, but I just, uh, yeah, I did 50K in the month of it's March. It's insane. Um, so good. And I'm jogging again. I know. Yeah, I'm, I ah. almost hit 25 for the month of September. Just, I started at the beginning. I'm like, can I, can I still jog? Can I? Turns out I can. So, yeah, just got to keep going. (laughs) You're talking about being such, I mean, you're being such an inspiration and comfort to others. Mm. And you've given this gift of honesty and strength to so many people over the last eight months. So who are your inspirations and comfort and who do you lean on? Because you can't always manage other people's emotions, as you say. So where, where do you get your help from? Um, I would say in the beginning of this, and as I mentioned, I just needed to find some beacons of hope because if you look online and Google stage four metastatic breast cancer, you're going to find basically, you know, life timelines between one to five years. That's basically the shelf life Mm -hmm. of somebody with this diagnosis. And what I have learned is that these statistics are horribly out of date Mm. and they actually don't really count the good stories necessarily. And yeah, the the research uh, for stage four is very, very minimal compared to other breast cancer research. It's like 8% of the funding that generally goes to breast cancer. So yeah, it's pretty heavy. So um, 
as I mentioned, I just needed to find some people. I was like, there has to be somebody that, that there has to be some good stories. This can't just be it. Like, I feel fine. <laughs> I don't believe I'm going to die this year. And um, actually, that's where social media helped as well. So I, someone anonymous, anonymously sent me a book called Sexy After Breast Cancer. Oh. And it was written by a stage four uh, survivor, thriver, named Jocelyn Binder. And she's a bikini model based in Miami, uh, Florida. And and she has uh, gone through breast cancer twice. The second time it came back as stage four metastatic. And she has gotten to a point where I think, I believe there's no more cancer in her body currently, but she's just on ongoing treatments to make it stay that way, which is my goal as well here. And just... I found her on, on Instagram, and I'm like, look at her. She's, like, doing her thing. She's, like, participating in runway bikini modeling shows. She looks amazing. She's, like, <laughs> living her full life. I can do that, too. So she was a huge inspiration for me at the beginning. Not that I can, not that I'm going to be a bikini model anytime, but I'm like, <laughs> I can do my thing and and still just deal with this on the side. So, um, and I'm almost there. Like I said, like we're, I'm still in early stages of all this, but I am starting to get control of my life again and pepper things in. And maybe I will hit those runways. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I, she's awesome. I did reach out to her and we had a, a brief exchange and. She said she was proud of me, and I cried a little bit. It was really <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and sh- uh, there's a few others. Just honestly, anyone who's going through this that is uh, that is living their life, I'm like, yes, let's do this. We're in this. Shannon Doherty just also came out mm. about her stage four diagnosis, and she just made a movie about it. So that was very inspiring to me as well. Has your creativity and imagination been sparked in new ways? <laughs> um. <laughs> creativity, I'd say the first six months of this whole thing, I just watched a lot of reality television and I watched nine seasons of Younger in like two weeks. Um, So I wouldn't (laughs) say that I was really uh, working too hard at at that side of things, but uh, definitely slowly but surely I've been doing, as I mentioned, a lot of writing therapy and um, Mm. personal essay journeying and writing those emails and writing those social media posts are very therapeutic for me. And I'm excited to turn those into something someday. Yeah. And also I, (laughs) I told Farah this the other day, I just signed up for a movie of the week writing course. Yes. Because because reality television show and Lifetime movies have really helped me when I just (laughs) needed some friggin' escapism from the trauma of all this. Uh, So I've watched a lot of them, and I'm like, I could write that. Yeah, you could. So I haven't written it yet, but (laughs) I'm enrolled in a course, and I have an idea outline, and we'll go from there. So, hey, maybe I'll be your next M.O.W. writer. Hey. You can be the star, LJ. I will happily star in anything you write. (laughs) Yeah. You're talking about self-care practices, too, Mm -hmm. and being your own best friend in a lot of ways. And sometimes being your own best friend means saying, we're going to watch these MOWs and we're going to (laughs) watch this reality TV because that's what we can do today. Mm -hmm. What other kind of new practices have you integrated into your life now, even if they're just like super simple? Mm. Um, I uh, Self-care, man. I don't think I really knew what self-care was before this and before I was given the opportunity to make that my full-time job, which has been this year. 
Um, And I think a lot of that is literally just having check-ins with my body and being like, what do I need right now? What do I need today? What do I need? If it's I just need to sleep for the next 11 hours, do it. If it's Mm. I need to not open my computer and just stare at a wall for a little bit and let my thoughts, you know, align, it's it's do it. Mixed in with, uh, yeah, I've, I've, we were just talking. I've been experimenting with a lot of Reiki sessions with mm-hmm. a, a dear friend, Sarah. I've been uh, doing acupuncture and massage on the regular. I'm so fortunate to have access to these things, and I am taking full advantage right now. And I don't see that stopping anytime soon. It's great. <laughs> a lot of meditation as well. Meditate, meditate, meditate all the time. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's. Meditation, I feel like, is breathing. The breathing. key to everything. It makes me think of Lisa in season one. Mm-hmm. Lisa Berry, just oh, so much so. Breathe. Yeah, and Marina talks so much about meditations as well. And I remember hearing that for the first. I'm like, hmm, I should try that thing. Meditation. <laughs> See what that's all about. You talk a lot about how your career really controlled your life in the essay, and although you love it, this diagnosis has made you rethink that relationship. And yeah. When Farah and I were reading this, I was like, oh, Farah, there was this great walk that Jen and I went on in March, mm. and you and I met up in Trinity, and I was planning to go to North Carolina, and you you basically told me that I had to go, because yeah. as you put it, you're like, and I was worried about missing work, and you said, LJ, I regret the number of times I didn't take a trip, because I was worried that yeah. I might miss work, and anyway, thank you. As you know, my personal life is heaven now because of that trip, so mm. oh how gosh. how have your priorities shifted? What does, what place does the industry have in influencing your life now? I'm definitely still figuring that out. It still is so much a part of my life for sure, 100%. But it's, it's mostly, I love, I love what I do. I've I've loved every experience I've had to date, you know, but it's mostly, I, uh, I just, I can't see myself ever giving another 14 hours a day to mm-hmm. in an office with you know schlubbing paperwork around I, I can't do that again I don't have the energy for it I don't have the desire to make it my all-encompassing focus on everything and on top of that like I was I was starting to take those jobs I've been taking those jobs the last couple of years and that was great but I wasn't quitting anything else you know I was producing short films on the weekends I was doing auditions on my lunch break I was you know, making this podcast (laughs) whenever we could. And again, everything I love, but it was too much, too much, too much. So one gift uh, with this diagnosis is I quit everything. And for the first time, I'm like, I'm not doing a thousand things at once. I'm I'm just focusing on myself. And I'm slowly going to pepper in what I want to do versus Mm. what I feel like I should do because it's either a great paycheck or that's going to be super good, you know, in the long run. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all ends up. But I'm really looking forward to kind of focusing on one project at a time Mm. um, because I want to do it and not because I feel like I should or I'm responsible for somebody else, you know. I'm, yeah, yeah, that's right. Taking care of you. Taking care of me. Your mantra that you said was the best way out is through, and that's a truism, but in this situation, obviously one that's <laughs> harder. So what what mantras are you living by now? You know, it's funny. I My friend Adam gave me that mantra and actually printed it out on a t-shirt and gave it to me. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I was having a weird relationship with it, I think, when I wrote this essay. It still very much is 
a, a top one for me because, you know, this the whole thing is hard, but the it, it helps me through the little bits, you know. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. just get through this doctor appointment. Okay, just get through this treatment day, and then you can go home, and you can have your ice cream, and you can watch your younger. You know, this is— <laughs> Um, so I, I still got to give props and credit to that one for sure. But yeah, other than that, I'm practicing a lot of, you know, I am healed. I am healing. I am healed. I am living a full life. I am. <laughs> those are, those are the mantras, but I, I still got to give props to best way I just through. It's true. Just got to get through those a truism. ones. Yeah. If you could leave our audience with one thing about your experience, I mean, you've already shared so much, but mm-hmm. the most important thing in this moment, in this moment here today that you feel you want people to know, what would it be? Don't wait. Don't wait to do what you know you want to do and to get what you really want. I have waited. I never would have enough money to do that thing, you know. I didn't have enough time to go on that trip. I didn't have enough, like, but there's a way to do almost anything if you want it. So don't wait. There will Mm -hmm. never be a right time. Just go for it now. Because, I mean, I don't want to be morbid and say you don't know when your time will be up, but but you don't. So so do it. (laughs) I'm going to also steal your mantra, my friend, in your essay that said, uh, give your heart the driver's seat. Ah, So I hope that you continue to let your beautiful soul steer you in incredible directions. I love you so much. Love you, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I my heart is telling me that I'm still here for a really long time. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) there's still a lot of fun to be had, and there's definitely ice cream cake awaiting our 100th episode of this podcast. So (laughs) let's keep trucking on. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Cool. Love you. Love you. (laughs) Thanks, Devin. Jen Pogue is a Toronto-based actor and producer. Recent screen credits include Ghostwriter, Endlings, How to Buy a Baby, Odd Squad, and the TV movie Sincerely Yours Truly. Jen works with the production collective FilmCoop Inc., having produced dozens of multi-award-winning indie features, shorts, and music videos, which have played in festivals around the world. She serves as the head industry series producer for the Canadian Film Fest. In between her many indie endeavors, she also works as a production coordinator for numerous studio shows Shows, including the Emmy-nominated Holly Hobby and Blue's Clues and U2. Jen's world came to a screeching halt when she was suddenly diagnosed with stage 4 metastatic triple negative breast cancer in February 2021, and has since spent most of her time in waiting rooms at Princess Margaret Hospital, cuddling her husband Warren and dog Scruffy. Thank you, Jen, for joining us at Company 3 Toronto. Be sure to check out future episodes of Women on Screen Out Loud wherever you get your podcasts and check out upcoming events and initiatives from Women on Screen at womenonscreen.ca. Until next time, I'm Lara Jean Korostecki. And I'm Jennifer Pogue. And we are Women Women on Screen. This podcast was created and produced by Lara Jean Korostecki and Jennifer Pogue. Executive produced by Farah Marani, Lauren McKinley, and Kira Murphy. With original music by Erica Procunier. Sound captured by Devin Doucette. And sound mixed by Arturo Fuenmayor at Company 3 in Toronto. Thank you to Company 3 Toronto for hosting us and for continuing to support women on screen. 